Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Tuesday. And we are one day closer to the 2021 NBA draft. And one of the best things about covering the Memphis Grizzlies is the chance to talk with other very, very knowledgeable basketball minds. And I can tell you this, you've known if you've listened to the show for a while, I'm a huge fan of the Grizzlies, obviously. But I'm a diehard fan of the fan of the Vols and one of the best sports minds, possibly the best that I've come across when it comes to Vols athletics is Mr. Will Warren, an absolutely phenomenal basketball mind when it comes to covering the Tennessee Vols basketball program. He's been kind enough to join us to talk about a few prospects that can make sense for the Grizzlies. Will, how are you today, sir? I'm uh, I'm doing very well. How are you? Cannot complain at all. I thank you very much for asking, but more than anything, thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us and, and talk a little basketball. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, before we got started with the show, Will is a Tennessee guy himself like me, but he is a big fan of the Detroit Pistons. So, Will, before we get started, what would it take for the Grizzlies to move from 17 to 1 to get Cade Cunningham? Would it was season tickets to the Grizzlies? Would that work? I would I would need uh, Jaw. I would need Brooks. <laughs> you, you, you. <laughs> need the whole team, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, yes, as a Pistons fan, uh, this is the first exciting thing to happen in like 15 years. I feel so. It's nice to uh, be looking forward to something. I'm not paying attention to any rumor I see where they say it's Jalen Green or it's Evan Mobley. I know it's going to be Cade, and I'm looking forward to it. Of course, of course. Well, it, it, it's awesome to see, Coach. So congratulations on that. I can tell you certainly from being a big Grizzlies fan, we obviously love the idea of getting jaw two years ago. But we'll certainly talk a little bit of NBA draft while you're on the show. But the reason we wanted to bring Will in is because of his vast knowledge of the Tennessee Vols program. And, and Will, we'll just get right to a simple question here. Obviously, the combination of Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, two guards, Keon probably is going to go a bit too high, but Jaden Springer certainly is a logical target for the Grizzlies. But just from your experience as a Vols fan, what was it like this year? No, it was a bit unique with COVID and all that stuff. But what was it like this year seeing possibly the best combination of natural talent we've seen in quite a while, maybe ever for the Vols, in both Springer and Keon Johnson? Just two very, very talented young basketball players. Uh, it, it was pretty fun. I mean, uh, it, obviously the season didn't go as well as a lot of us had hoped, but with Keon and Jaden, it, it is such a unique thing for, you know, a school like Tennessee that no one really thinks of as a basketball school to have these two five-star recruits come in at the same time, you know, both post pretty similar statistics. When you look at, you know, statistical comparisons for the last 15 years, for both Jaden is Keon's number one and Keon is Jaden's number one, which is pretty unusual. Um, it was nice to have that excitement to have like kind of start to finish. You always knew like even when Tennessee was struggling towards the end, there's always the hope that these two players could drag them out of the the funk they got in uh, starting in January. And at times they did that. You saw flashes of why these players are going to have long NBA careers and especially why I think a lot of people are now anticipating both going the top 20. Uh, it, it was a good experience to have them here. Obviously, I think the 
the, the general consensus around Knoxville is that everybody wishes these two players had gotten a normal season and not the COVID-infested one. But uh, it was it was nice to have them here regardless of circumstances, and I think everybody here is really wishing them luck at the next level. It's funny that you mentioned that the number one comparison or the number one comparable, however you want to say it, for Keon is Jaden and for Jaden is Keon. But it makes so much sense, right? From a statistical standpoint, similar scoring rates, across-the-board production as defensive playmakers, steal, steals, good defense, underrated playmaking. But I, and before we get too much into the specifics of their games, I think, though, that there's a bit of a different approach. With Keon, it's historical athleticism, as he showed in the combine, but it's functional athleticism, knowing how to create advantages with that athleticism and leaping ability. With Jaden Springer, the 6'4", 205 size for a guard, a body he's still growing into, it's the functional physicality, knowing how to use his body to defend players from the point of attack on defense and also drives. Similar production, but different ways of getting the job done. Would that be a good way to summarize it? Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, you know, Jaden is a little less aggressive with the ball in his hands. You know, Keon will like to get to the rim uh, by any means possible. Jaden is a little more patient, a little more willing to search out his own shot. Uh, you know, he, he did rely a bit too much on his mid-range game at Tennessee, uh, as did Keon. But you figure at the next level, both are going to develop more outside shootings to balance out their ability to get to the rim. Uh, Jaden kind of it's it's kind of strange because he doesn't appear like a super fast athlete on paper but he always seems to beat his defender to the rim same with Keon of course who is possibly the most athletic player in the draft Uh, I mean anybody who has seen him uh, has seen his dunk against Georgia from this past season could you know envision that Uh, but you know that it is kind of funny they have such similar statistics but do get there by different means And the other thing that I'll say is, is that, of course, it is from the Rick Barnes system. You know, that's one thing that, you know, me and you have had the chance to enjoy is Vols fans. Sometimes the offense is a bit lacking, but the defense, we saw some comments last year about just how good this defense is. There's a reason why both Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson have a lot of their right now value in their defensive upside. They can truly be difference makers. Maybe Keon has a little ceiling. Jaden may be a bit more consistency, but the defense is real, and that is something that's unique for them as prospects as at their ages. They are legit, legitimately both could be elite defenders and could be difference makers on both ends of the court once they develop their offensive game. Absolutely. I think it is, you know, the the thing that I always find funny when draft time comes around is how everybody seems to think that, at least with the ESPN coverage, this year's draft will be the best draft ever. Uh, which is just simply, you know, not always going to be true. But I do think, in particular, this could be one of the better drafts in recent memory for these this type of player, this wing slash guard who comes into and out of college as already a really good plus defender uh, that will make an immediate impact at the NBA level. And Keon and Jaden both match that. I mean, both led what was a top five defense the entire season in college basketball. One that really only had bad nights on the, you know, occasional fluke three-point shooting nights from a Kentucky or a Missouri or whoever. It wasn't because they were giving up tons of open shots. 
teams could not score inside the perimeter against Tennessee at all because Keon and Jaden were, were so good at taking away the gaps, so good at taking away open shots, and uh, particularly good at forcing bad passes and turnovers. I think uh, any team that, you know, ends up with them in the draft, and especially a guy like Jaden who could realistically be ended up on a current playoff team, is going to see an immediate impact guy that really boosts their defense for, you know, however many minutes they can squeeze out a night. And once again, going back to the functional athleticism and functional strength, I think that both of them can do well, but in a slightly different ways. With Jaden, it's that point of attack ability to really get his body up to the initiator of the offense in order to disrupt either a shot attempt or the flow of the offense. With Keon, it's locked down off the ball. Keon probably has a bit higher upside when it comes to creating turnovers and blocks. But at the end of the day, it's not just that they can do one thing on defense. It's the IQ. That's something else that really stands out about them. Certainly would love your take on this. For their age and how naturally gifted they are, the IQ aspect of things that gives you so much confidence, knowing both have areas to improve, that should give you confidence, their IQ and work ethic, that both of them are going to do all that they can to reach their ceilings at the next level. Yeah, I think Keon especially, the vibe around the Tennessee basketball program was that he was uh, probably the single hardest worker on last year's team uh, start to finish. A guy who really did take coaching to heart, understood it, uh, and, you know, by all reports, would have come back if he was not a lottery pick. Uh, the the thing that, you know, if you want a real standout comparison, the motor that he has never stops running in a way that reminds me of something like an early career Jimmy Butler where, you know, Tibbs was putting that guy out 45 minutes a night in the playoffs because he knew he would never get tired. Keon never gets tired. Jaden at times could be a little less engaged defensively, but it's still when he's fully focused and in the game, it is really hard to get by him because he is a very strong lower body athlete. It's very hard to back him down, very hard to, you know, push him around in the paint. Uh, which you don't really often see in, you know, a six foot four combo guard. The thing is, is that besides natural talent, if you've got the effort and IQ within that are natural assets of those players, it usually adds up to being a good combination to make the most of it. There's certainly plenty positives with both Keon and Jaden, but what about their areas of improvements? And from Will's observations, how does he think they can improve in the NBA? We'll talk with Will Warren a bit more about areas where Keon and Jaden can improve in just a second. NBA draft goat, Chad Ford. Locked on NBA draft host, Rafael Barlow. And locked on NBA host, John Corrales, will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's locked on NBA draft 2021, brought to you by Bill Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow locked on today on YouTube today. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch our draft coverage on July 29th at 7 o'clock Eastern. The 2021 NBA draft is right around the corner, and that is the perfect time for NBA teams to find new parts to add to their roster to make it better moving forward. Well, if it, when it comes to your car, you likely may need to find new parts at some point in time to make it run better. 
as you move forward. And if that's the case, you need to visit rockauto.com. Number one, it's very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you're going to find what you need. And the reason why is because regardless of make and model or the part that you need, rockauto.com is likely to have it. No matter your experience level when it comes to car repairs, rockauto.com is a great source because it's economically friendly. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business over 20 years. They know car parts typically fall out of budget, so they want to make things as economically feasible as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com. So, Will, going into the NBA draft, you know, just some for some observations, obviously the defense stands out for both players. But there is some offensive, not necessarily concerns, but clear areas of improvement. Before we get into the specifics, what stands out to you as one key area, I guess for lack of a better word, a swing skill in both Jaden and Keon's game at the next level that you truly feel if they hit here, this is what will make them obviously have the best chance to reach their ceiling. A key area of improvement for each player at the NBA level. Keon's is pretty simple in that it's his jumper. Uh, I think uh, if you just watch him take pretty much any three-pointer from last season, uh, you're quite surprised when it goes down, if it does. Uh, The mechanics just are not quite there yet. Uh, He did not really feel like a serious threat beyond 12 feet for most of the season, which did kind of help constrict uh, an already clogged Tennessee offense when he was on the court. Uh, And, by the end of the season, opponents figured out his only consistent scoring was at the rim. They tried to wall that off. If he's able to figure that out long term, and I mean, it's not like we've there's no examples of athletes who have done it. Uh, if he figures that out, I mean, he very well could end up being one of the five best players in the draft. And in a similar fashion, I would like to see Jaden Springer develop a really good floater. Uh, he doesn't really have one in the arsenal, and it's not a deal breaker, but uh, you know, something that's going to come up in scouting on him and something that came up if you watch Tennessee's games is that his main move was to drive to the paint, stop, pivot, 10-foot, two-footed jumper, which is, you know, not horrible if you can hit it, but Jaden Springer was not very good at hitting it. Also had a bad turnover rate, but you figure that's kind of just a freshman in college basketball type of thing. If he gets a little bit better in the shot selection and develops that floater, I think that's really going to round out his offensive game and give him the potential to be a serious two-way, you know, long-term starter. Another thing that stands out is an underrated part of both of their games, but something that I think could separate them as they go on, because I agree with you. The shooting for Keon certainly is a work in progress. Place like Memphis with a coach like Taylor Jenkins, that he's shown the ability with players who were non-shooters to be able to improve it. When it comes to the Grizzlies, they're the number one team in the NBA when it comes to floaters. So every area of improvements may make both of them great fits in Memphis. But another thing about their games is ball handling, because I feel another area where if they can develop it on offense that could really help them out is as a secondary playmakers. Do you see Keon and Jaden, especially Jaden, having significant ceilings as playmakers to either initiate the offense or as secondary facilitators in the NBA? Jaden is much more the secondary facilitator type to me. Uh, Keon is probably never going to be your number one, number two, or possibly even number three option offensively, unless that jumper does come around. Jaden, it's kind of, you know, you mentioned it up top, but Jaden has 
the higher floor uh, just because he's got the better jumper right now. It's more likely he'll still have the better jumper at the end of his career. Uh, but with Keon, I do think he has the higher, you know, ceiling. Uh, he's just such a raw player that if it all goes correctly for him, or at least most things go correctly, he very well could end up being one of the three best players in the draft. But if, it, if things don't fire off where it's just like he's a defensive specialist, he, you know, can't, he can't really create much offense. You know, he, you know, he might not end up being one of the top 15 players in the draft. He has kind of this wide range of outcomes that are, you know, a, a little unsettling if you're the wrong team taking them. Like personally, I understand, you know, basing a team's, uh, your opinion of a team on their history can be a little uh, queasy to do, but I, I don't want Keon Johnson to go to the Kings, for example. It just doesn't seem like he would develop correctly there. Whereas, if he or Jaden ended up on the Grizzlies, given the player development track, I would feel better about them reaching a higher end outcome. Um, but but I do think, uh, but I mean, both would be good fits. Both have the chance to hit their potential. Uh, there's just a, a, several questions you've got to answer for both, and I'm curious to see how they're answered. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I've said it a few times here as Jaden Springer has gotten a bit more publicity, you know, for his, um, you know, his uh, being healthy and things such as that out on, you know, his campaign tour working out for teams, despite being, I believe he's the youngest prospect in this draft. It feels like that with Springer, he's one of the better bets inside the top 20 to land as a significant role player at the very least because of his across the board contributions with Keon Johnson, I agree. The athleticism mixed with the jumper makes him arguably a top five player in this draft wheel, but it's so boom or bust that I think a good development, a landing in a place with good player development is the key, especially for Keon. I will ask one other quick question about Keon, though. In terms of his immediate contributions, do you think, obviously, he'll come off the bench. Do you think his work in transition and as a potential lob threat and cutter, do you at least think that could make him carve out some type of role for 10 or 15 minutes a night, at least during his rookie season? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if he goes in the top 10 as he's currently projected, I would be a little surprised if he's not hitting 15 to 20, maybe even 25 on the right team. Uh, he's going to be immediately, like we've mentioned, a really good defender. Uh if the uh, transition skills stay the same, and I think, you know, if you go back and watch some of Tennessee's games, you notice that Keon looked more comfortable in the higher-paced games where Tennessee is touching 76, 78 possessions. You know, it's not very often that happens under Rick Barnes, but it happened more frequently last year than it had in several seasons. When you're able to push the pace like that, Keon's more comfortable. He can use his natural athleticism to beat players down the court. Uh, it, he, you know, I, I think he'll definitely be able to carve out 15, 20 minutes in year one. It's just going to be, you know, will we see some quality development from, you know, night one in October to the final night in April, assuming this is a team that stays out of the playoffs that drafts him. Um, and, uh, you know, as a Tennessee fan, I just stay hopeful on that front that we do see development. But, I think at minimum he's going to be a guarantee for at least a couple good highlights. And to be honest, I would like to place a small bet right now that you could see him as a dunk contest participant uh, at the, the next all-star game. 
I don't know if you were able to see it from someone who wasn't able to go to a game this year. Is that something I've always wondered? Does he have some pretty good creativity on his dunks, either behind closed doors or in pregames from what you were able to see talking about Keon? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to any either. But it's just watching him jump, watching him, uh, you know, seeing how far he gets off the ground at just six foot four. It, you know, if Cassius Stanley is getting in dunk contest, I would think ah. Keon Johnson has a very serious shot at it. Very, very good point. And the last thing I'll ask in regards to Keon and um, Jaden, because we'd love to give your thoughts on the draft as a whole itself. Rick Barnes, obviously, uh, you know, it, it, obviously at Tennessee, you look at Keon, Jaden Springer, Eve Pons, who we'll talk about in just a second. Rick Barnes obviously sets up these players for good success defensively. But especially when it comes to this freshman class, there's been a little bit of attention drawn to where they kind of held back in college. I'm not meaning this as a negative towards Rick Barnes, but do you think there is some untapped potential in both these players in terms of how they can be utilized offensively that may not have been there at Tennessee this past season? Absolutely. Like for for Keon specifically, I would love to see what he would look like in a higher pace transition heavy offense. And for Jaden, I would like to see what happens when one, you encourage him to shoot more threes and two, you put him in an offense that, you know, has more than three shooters on the court for most of the night. Because the problem Tennessee ran into frequently last year was, you know, they would play Pons and John Fulkerson together, both guys who are not really any consistent threats from beyond 12 feet. And, you know, like we've mentioned, Keon had trouble shooting, but I don't think he was helped by the fact the offense was clogged for the vast majority of the season. They were at their best when they were playing fast and they didn't play fast often enough. Uh, I would like to see what happens when you space Jaden out, you give him a chance to be more of a pass first guy, use more ball screens, which Tennessee didn't really use much of this year. Uh, I, I think there is some real untapped potential there offensively for both. Um, but it really is just so fit dependent, like where they end up. Agree completely. At the end of the day, landing spot in the NBA draft is almost, if not more, important than actual natural talent. But the great thing about Will is, is that this same approach that he does so well in talking about the Tennessee Vols, I'm sure it also expands out in general when it comes to the NBA draft. Coming up, going to get his thoughts about the draft in general and also talk about another Tennessee player who hopefully will see his name called come next or, or a week from Thursday. Tonight is the night, game six of the 2021 NBA Finals. It's going to be very interesting to see what develops as Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks go for their first title in nearly 50 years, if my memory serves me correct. But with big games like this, you can stay simple or you can go specific when it comes to prop bets. But if wagering and betting is part of what makes you have fun as a fan when it comes to sports, the one place that has you covered is betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next 
next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. It's finally here. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Picks 1 through 5 were on Monday. Today... Pick 6 through 12. If you are a Memphis Grizzlies fan, I would highly encourage that you listen to tomorrow's episode. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. So, Will, we obviously talked about the player that you're probably, besides Keon, Jaden, and Yves Pons, Cade Cunningham obviously stands out to you, I bet, as someone that you're excited to see. His freshman year this past year was a absolute thrill to see at Oklahoma State. How excited are you to see him in the NBA, especially in the uniform of your beloved Pistons? <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I, it is, you know... I have to keep my expectations down for year one, of course. Very few rookies look fantastic in year one. I think that kind of gets a little lost in the shuffle sometimes for the draft where people expect these 18, 19, 20-year-olds to immediately come in and be top 30 to 40 players. It's rare that happens. Uh, you kind of got to be a LeBron-level guy to do it. But I, I think if anybody could do it this coming season, it's going to be Cunningham. Uh, and this is, you know, Along with Cade, this is the first draft in a few years where I look at the top four, like the consensus top four among all the mock drafts and big boards, and my instant feeling is, you know, that looks right. I don't have any complaints about where any of the top four is slotted right now. I think Cade is the obvious number one, but Mobley, Green, and Jalen Suggs are all also really good players who I anticipate will be, you know, very good long-term NBA guys. So we talk about those four players who all themselves were freshmen this past year. Keon and Jaden both could be uh, picked in the top 15. That's six of your 15 picks that are freshmen. But there's some really intriguing second, third, fourth year guys. James Booknight, Corey Kispert, Chris Duarte. When you look at the upside depth in this draft versus some of the higher, safer picks that may be a bit older, I mean, where do you think the names like Kispert and Duarte and Booknight, where do you start to feel they make the most, not necessarily the most sense in terms of landing spot, but where they really start to get valuable in this draft? Uh, Kispert is a little troublesome for me because I, there's not much about his background at Gonzaga that suggests a really good defender. He was like, okay, but, and, you know, it is great that he's an elite shooter, of course. Uh, but you know, it's kind of, it does feel a little Doug McDermott like where I don't feel like you would be truly thrilled to be taking Doug McDermott in the lottery and a redraft of that draft. Uh, Kispert, I would be okay with at like, 15 to 20. Um, 
but I think he is going to end up going in the late lottery. I'm curious about Duarte in particular because it's very rare you see a 24-year-old uh, get projected in the top 20 to 25 like he is. Uh, normally, in that sense, I would just not draft a 24-year-old, but Duarte behind Kispert could realistically be the second-best shooter in the draft. And if you're a playoff team in that range, you need shooting, maybe you're the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Duarte makes a lot of sense for you. And now you, we had talked about it before the show, but I'll tell you the guy that I am is at the top of my list when it comes to the Grizzlies, Will. Uh, he's another SEC guy. His name is Moses Moody out of Arkansas. That is someone for a wing-type player, two-way aspect. You've got some significant shooting potential, got significant defensive potential. That's the guy I would love for the Grizzlies. A couple of other guys we haven't mentioned in this draft that really stand out to you as being like, okay, if I got this guy on my team, I would be thrilled. Maybe a Cam Thomas, a freshman such as that, or an older player that's not getting a lot of buzz, but just a couple of names from your analysis that really stand out as being valuable guys in this draft that may not be getting the love they should. I'm, I'm just going to go with guys who I, who I honestly would pick at least five to ten picks ahead of where they'll end up. Uh, Jaden is one I think I've made kind of clear. Moody would also be in my list. Sharif Cooper, uh, I am really curious to see where he ends up. The consensus mock draft out there has him, you know, 17th to 19th. Uh, Cooper is the most exciting passer I have seen in several years. Uh, I really want to see him in the right offense. Hopefully he ends up on a playoff team. I know he's small, but he is one of the most exciting basketball players that I have seen in college basketball in a long time. Uh, those would be my three. Um, I don't think this guy will end up being undervalued necessarily, but I would like to see where Franz Wagner from Michigan ends up. I hope he doesn't go top 10 because I think that's a little high for him, but he's a really good shooter, uh, kind of a good, well-rounded guy who could make a lot of positive impact on the right team. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think if I had to pick three, it's Springer, Moody, Cooper, all SEC guys. Agreed. And Franz Wagner would be someone I would love to see there for the Grizzlies as well. I was talking with a guy that you may know, John Reed, a really well-known radio personality <laughs> out of Knoxville, a host of Reed's Ranch. We've gone back and forth about the Grizzlies and the uh, Hawks a few times, but I would say those Atlanta Hawks coming off one of their most successful seasons in franchise history, Cooper or Springer makes sense for them as a one-two pairing with uh, uh, Trey Young, obviously, in Atlanta. I'm sure Knoxville fans or SEC fans would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see Springer on the Hawks. I think that's like a pitch-perfect fit, one that makes a lot of sense for both parties. Uh, it's so funny you get to talk to John about this. I've, I've heard so much about the Hawks for two months straight from John. <laughs> uh, I had such a fun run, but... Uh, one percent of me was happy it was over. <laughs> I just John about the hot. I'm sure. I'm sure, John. I've I not obviously had the interactions you have, John. Seems like a great guy, as many of the personalities that cover the Vols do. But speaking of the Vols, got to get one more question in here for you, and it, it is Yves Pons. That's that's how I've always referred to him. If that's wrong of me, please let me know. But obviously, a very very dynamic defensive talent that, for lack of a better word, the resourcefulness as a 
person to block shots, alter shots. The help defense is certainly there as well. I think that there's a bit more potential as a catch-and-shoot guy to where he could be a 3-and-D guy off the bench. Do you feel, obviously, the athleticism and, and his shape is certainly there. Older prospect, do you feel he could be a value find as a late second-round two-way guy in the draft this year? He's worth a flyer. I, I mean, if you're able to get even a decent bench player, uh, you know, for example, the Grizzlies picking 51st overall, if you're picking like 45th or later, later and you get a decent bench player, you've outperformed what you should have gotten at that pick. So uh, the, the Pons deal is tough because I think obviously he's an insane athlete. Seven foot one wingspan for a guy who's six foot six is genuinely nuts. Uh, blocks everything in sight. We saw him break all the block records at Tennessee. But I, I do wonder what more there is to do for him offensively because he, he shot 24% on threes in SEC play this year. And that's not a huge sample, but there was never a stretch in his Tennessee career where he was very consistent from three. And it would be great for him to develop that catch and shoot three, because otherwise he's going to be an offensive black hole. He doesn't self-create. He doesn't really do anything at an NBA level beyond alley-oops. And uh, the other issue is that the list of guys under six, nine, with his abilities or similar abilities to make it in the NBA in the last 10 years is really small. It's kind of like Josh Houston, a Stanford guy who's on OKC for a bit, and that's about it. Um, That being said, Pons is such a uniquely dominant athlete that I think if you're picking like 51 to 60, you could do a lot worse than taking the flyer. Uh, Or if you have an open UDFA spot, you absolutely should pick him up if he goes undrafted. Uh, but I would like to see him drafted. It's a similar situation as Jordan Bone a couple of years ago as a Tennessee fan, where as I'm not terribly confident the guy will get drafted, but I'm rooting for a pleasant surprise and obviously hoping he outperforms uh, expectations for an NBA career. And of course, this you know we saw Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield both drafted in the 2019 draft. This year may see three volunteers drafted. It's just setting the stage when Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson are both top five picks in the 22 draft, right, Will? <laughs> uh, Fulkerson might be a top five pick in the Israeli <laughs> league or something. But <laughs> I, I do. Kennedy Chandler does have a very legit shot of at minimum being like a top 10 pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Will, there was a reason why I very much was looking forward to talking with you. Your work is absolutely incredible. Anybody who reads it, number one, gets smarter reading it. But number two, just the insight is so well done. Where can people find your great work? You know, I know that it's for the Vols, but just in general, the learning aspect of it when it comes to taking a statistical approach to break down the game, where can folks find your great work at? Uh, all of my work is available at statsbywill.com. Uh, coming up soon uh, on the non-NBA area, I've got a piece coming up on the differences and how you win close games versus, you know, all other games uh, based on a couple of years of data at the college level. Uh, excited to see it come out. Um, but yeah, all of my work's available there. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you will love my work from November to March. If you're not, you can just grin and bear it because I do other work too. 
Well, the, the the best work that you've done as of recently was when you revealed that since 97, Tennessee actually has been the better basketball program than the University of Memphis. And I'm pretty sure I lost several, several, several listeners now making that comment. I'm kidding. Will, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It was an absolute pleasure on our end. If you'll stick around, though, for a few moments after the show. Thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For Will Warren, my name is Sean Coleman. We'll be back with you with plenty of more draft coverage and breakdowns as this week goes on. Fascinating, fascinating insight from Will Warren on two players and Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, who I think will be great fits for the Grizzlies. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.